Father God, we love this time of waiting and declaring and hoping that you'll be with us. Father, we, we relish in the fact that Emmanuel is not just a name, but it is a concept of God walking among us. Lord, move freely this morning. Be loud. Be aggressive if you have to. In Jesus' name, amen. So I posted a little video called Advent in Two Minutes. And some of you saw it, and some of, uh, some of the people that are new to this place didn't really know what Advent was, and, and I kept talking about it, and they were a little confused, so I got a few comments of, thank you for posting that. Um, Anthony, I appreciate the Advent tie. Good call. Uh, Matt, I appreciate the Advent beanie. Uh, good call. <laughs> uh, we are, so we are in this, starting this season. So how we're going to start off this morning is by declaring Happy New Year. This is the beginning of the church New Year. Uh, the church year starts in Advent and ends, well, yesterday. Um, but this is a time that we reflect and we wait and we long and we expect something to happen. And so there are symbols of Advent, and you'll see them around. We're just going to take a little bit of time this morning just to go over that. I don't ever want to take for granted that people just know what Advent is, and, uh, and they've never done it before or, or journeyed through this, this process. So you'll see the color purple a lot, or dark blue. Those, those colors signify royalty, and they are us decorating to express this idea of a long-expected king, coming to save the world. And so we have the colors. We also have candles is a big thing. And this is our, this is our teaching aid today, our, our banners. Uh, there are four candles that are the purple color, well, that, that are not white, let's put it that way. Uh, we have four candles, hope, love, joy, and peace. Each of those represent 100 years of silence that God did not speak. So from the prophet Malachi to Matthew, there was 400 years of silence. So each candle represents a hundred years of silence because God is about to break the silence with the white candle, which is our Christ candle. And so we celebrate Advent lighting candles, and we, it's a countdown. I know you thought that, that uh, Hershey's invented the Advent calendar, but really it's been around a lot longer than that. And the Advent calendar is to count down this idea that we are getting closer and closer to God speaking again. Malachi was the last prophet to speak on behalf of God. Jesus will be the next to come and be the, be the spokesperson. So uh, this is why we have the candles. Uh, a lot of times you will see a wreath. On Christmas Eve, you will see our wreath. It's just too big for in here. Um, but the garland represents the green and the evergreenness of all of that. The circle of the wreath is often never-ending and it's infinite. And so there's all these kind of symbols that go around. And today we're going to start off by participating in one of the biggest symbols of Advent, that is lighting the Advent candle. And I need you three to come on up here. Again, Ellis, you can come up too if you want. Colton, Taylor, Jackson, if you guys want to, you can come up. I just got some questions for you. No, don't fall your face in that way. What? You, this is my show. Y'all face me. Yeah, it's like a stage. You're like, oh, cheat out. Um, hi. <laughs> hi. I want to know a time in your life that you waited and wanted and expected something to happen. Uh, yes. I had no idea what you just said. This is what I heard. Why would you read the Bible? When I wanted an OMG doll, there's a new LLC. 
I think she's speaking English. She want an OMG doll? Uh-huh, they're the newest um, LOL dolls. Oh my god. An OMG doll? Uh, I'll tell you. An OMG doll is the latest LOL doll. Apparently these dolls are just text message branded. Alright, anybody else? What's something you waited for? Yes. Okay. What? For Christmas to come. For Christmas to come. That's a good one. Wait, wait a segue. What are you, the PK? <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, yeah. My birthday because it's five days before Christmas. Your birthday, because then that's like a countdown to Christmas. Okay. You go to summer camp because I've never been to summer camp. You never been to summer camp before. Well, like before I went. Before you went, you never been. That's how most things work. <laughs> that's a good one. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We are going, yeah, go ahead. We're going to Disneyland. You guys always go to Disneyland. <laughs> That's fantastic. You guys should just move to Disneyland. But I still have to wait. Okay. I have been waiting for summer break to begin. <laughs> summer break. Colt is waiting for summer break to begin. <laughs> so today we start this time of waiting, and we are going to expect something to come. Who knows what we're expecting to come? Taylor. Jesus? Is that a question? <laughs> yes, we're, we're expecting Jesus to come, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to light this first candle. Are you confused by matches? These are how we used to light fires. Uh, no. No, 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 no. Serenity's literally looking at me like... <laughs> I could use a flamethrower. It'll be okay. It'll be okay, I promise. So this begins our countdown. Now, next week I'm going to ask you more questions. Wow, that, that's soul free. So be ready to answer them. Okay? Now, it's my turn. Go back to your seat. Thank you for your participation. No? That would be dangerous to leave an unsupervised candle burning. Yeah, that's, that's how churches get burnt down. Um, normally, normally the lighting of the Advent candle is usually a little more... Uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know what? It's more fun this way, so we're going to do it this way. It smells? Okay, we're going to talk about today... This idea of what Advent does and how it, it, like it pushes its way into our lives, sometimes it has to pass by distractions. And this, this Advent reading for this year uh, is, is not very Christmassy. Um, but that's okay, because we're not at Christmas yet. And so if you're wondering why we didn't sing all Christmas songs, just be glad that Ben has been in the Protestant church for a little while. Because when he first started, it was all Advent songs. Like you didn't, sing any, you didn't even sing nothing that was Christmassy until after Christmas in the Christmas season. So he's learning. We're, we're brainwashing him and bringing him along. I got you. Yeah, thank you, Megan. Uh, so we're going to talk about this, this whole idea of what it looks like to journey through Advent as in like it's the first of the year. And so we have these things that we do called New Year's resolutions or New Year's promises or whatever, but we're going to treat Advent that way this year as it's the first of the year of the Christian year. So we are going to figure out what it would look like to push everything away in order to walk into this season with a little bit more clarity and a little bit more focus on what's going on. So today, we're going to talk about making the main thing the main thing. 
Because it's so easy this time of year to forget what the main thing is and just get distracted by everything that's going on. So I figured I would find some videos um, of distractions, and I have two of them, and since it is football season, the height of, uh, these are football-themed distracted videos. I want you to pay close attention to finding the distraction in these. So, apparently, if a 300-pounder is a cartwheel... Can you imagine being the coach that drove that play? He's like, you're the biggest guy. Can you do a cartwheel? Let's see. Okay, we got one more. Push on the other one. This one's elevated. It worked. Someone found the TikTok app at the end there. All right, you can stop it. <laughs> the thing is, is that distraction is a very great tool. And it's one of those things that you can use in any situation. I've seen lots of stuff like that where one of the videos was just, it was too cute. I'd have lost you guys for the whole thing, but... It was, a, it was a junior high football team, and this kid got the snap and, like, looked the referee and, like, showed him the ball and just walked into the end zone. <laughs> and he just, and he scored a touchdown. But, uh, there's all kinds of these distractions that come, and sometimes the distractions are really good stuff. They're, they're, they're stuff that takes place in our lives that we just have to be able to figure out a way to live with or to not get bogged down by, and it, it tends to happen over and over and over again that we just keep missing what we need to be focusing on so that we can actually figure out how to live this life in the best way that we possibly can. And the distractions are there. I heard one time that uh, the devil doesn't have to get you to believe in him. He just has to distract you. I mean, as long as he can just fill your time with something else, that's it. There was another video. You can imagine the YouTube hole that you fall into when you start YouTubing distraction videos. Um, it, it's, a, it's a rabbit hole. Don't do it. You'll be in there for days. But there was one that had these people that were kind of fading out because they were on their phone. And they'd have like people around and then people fading and then people around. So it was like they were not with anybody. They, they were actually gone, not in the room. It was, it was a very, very a powerful thing, but it was very sad and I didn't like it. It made me cry. Um, and I don't want to cry in front of y'all, so I didn't show that video. It's so easy to just get lost in stuff. And some of us, some of us, we have distractions that we've created on purpose because that's our retreat, right? It, not necessarily bad things. I mean, some of, you, some of you use exercise as a distraction. I don't, obviously. Um, but the, like TV is a distraction. Your phone is a distraction. Facebook, for some of you, is a time to just shut everything off and just be distracted for a while because some of us carry heavy days. And if you can get five minutes of silence and just being distracted from that day, everything seems better. It just seems you can just decompress a little bit. This time of year, like it just seems like I have to cook, and I, and, and I, I don't mind cooking, and I get in the kitchen this time of year, though, and I have Alexa put on Christmas music, and it's better. Mm -hmm. It makes cooking more fun. I should just do it all year long. Actually, 
full confession, our house is Chris music all year long because Ellis just doesn't stop listening to it. Well, it, it's August and he's got pentatonics in the background singing Christmas songs. There's something about distractions that help us function as regular humans. But what happens when distractions become the thing that we focus on and they're no longer a distraction, they are the main thing? Our scripture today comes out of Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 24. And it's not, it's not going to make you feel Christmassy. But this, the whole idea of Advent is this idea of waiting for Christmas, is waiting for Emmanuel. And so we have these scriptures that kind of journey like that, and they go through that. So we're going to start in verse 36. Yep. No one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was, as it was in the days of Noah so it will be in the coming of the days of Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, and one will be taken, one the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect it. The ending of that verse is what Home Alone was based on. Home alone, Kevin finds out that they're coming at 9 o'clock. They said, we'll come back at 9 o'clock. Because when you're thieves, you stand outside the house and talk about when you're arriving. And they were very punctual thieves. If you've watched that movie, right at 9 o'clock, they show up. So, I mean, this is, this is exactly what, if, the, if you know when it's happening, you can be ready for it. And Kevin was ready. He defended his house. Now, had they just showed up, he might have been in trouble because he was all out of clips of old mob movies to play. He didn't have any more sound effects. He would have been done. So the scripture says, look, if you, if you know what to expect, it's easy to be ready. But there is that bumper sticker that you've seen around. Look busy because Jesus is coming. It's this idea that when we don't know, we sometimes get bogged down with doing lots of stuff that doesn't even matter. Because we want to look busy. We, we, want, we want to make sure that we're checking all these boxes. They, and during this 400 years of silence, the Jewish people were very good at looking busy. They were very good at checking off the holiness boxes. They were very good about looking for the type of Savior that they were expecting to get. But what they were bad about was listening to the voice of God and seeing the Savior that God was bringing into the world. They missed that part. And so there's this whole, this whole thing that if we know what it looks like and know what's coming, then we're all set. I think that's why in our world today we have so many people that predict when the end of the world will be here, when the rapture is coming. I mean, it happens every five or six years. Somebody will come up and there'll be a, a, a date that they've picked out because they mathematically formulated the words and numbers associated with each Hebrew character, and they've tracked it back to the day when Adam said, leaf. And now it all makes sense. 
and the scripture says they don't know because no one knows but the Father, but they, but they know. And then October 24th comes and goes, and Y2K comes and goes, and, and we're all still here. So there's either one of two things. Either we're all doomed, or they were wrong. I mean, it, it, But I think the reason why we do it is because we want to know. We want to have that security. We, if we just know what to do, if we just know what's expected of us, then the distractions don't matter. We'll, we'll focus. If you just tell us what to focus on, we'll focus. The distractions are, are so great in our world today that they, they're sneaky. I love that the reference is this time of Noah in verses 37 and 39. They talk about that people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving themselves away in marriage. So? <laughs> like, why, why does that cause for the flood of the whole earth? Like, that seems like what we've been doing since the beginning of time. We've been having food. We've been having drink. We've been getting married and giving our... It, those alone aren't necessarily bad things. But those became the thing. It was all about us, and it was all about our desires, and it was all about the things that man wants, the things that man can do, the things that man can get. And all of a sudden, the main thing was completely lost, and that's where the scripture comes in, because we lost focus. We got distracted by very good things, and it happens all the time. Holiday parties are great things. Now, in Julie's mind right now, she said, what holiday? <laughs> Christmas parties are very good things. But sometimes, if I have one more on my calendar, I, I don't, there, there are certain things that I like to do. But with Thanksgiving being this late this year, they took a whole weekend away. It's very hard. I, I, I love to have Megan come over with her sugar cookie dough. She'd travel. She'll come to your house. <laughs> you take the cookie cutters and you decorate cookies. And I like that we're doing this drop-in Christmas party. I think it's going to be great. And I was so excited. And then what happened is Julie came home and said, my work Christmas party. I said, no. I'm done. Not really. But I said, can I wear like a buffalo plaid onesie? She'll let me. There's just a time where you just go, one more thing, and then add this onto it. What are we going to do? Are we doing everything Christmas Eve? Are we doing a big Christmas day? Do we do breakfast? Do we do a big meal? What do we do? How do what are we doing with family this time? Where are we going to host? Where, where are we going to go? What? Yeah. Just, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Christmas is horrible. How about this? Ben told me this morning that LifePoint is going from eight services to seven services for Christmas Eve. Seven services? And one guy's preaching them all. The 26th is the best day of his life. I just can't even, and I get it, right? They'll have a full house for all seven services. I get it. I completely understand. But I can't even fathom to have that being the thing. To have that one more thing that's over our head. And all of a sudden, by the time Christmas comes, you just want it to be over. 
This is why we journey through Advent, because we don't want Christmas to be over. We want to focus ourselves in that we're focusing on the main thing, so that right now we look at this and we say, today, today we focus on the hope of Jesus. Today we focus on the hope of God coming to earth as a baby for everything that is going to happen. Yes, we on this end get to look at it as the hope of Christ coming to die for us. But remember, Advent is like living between two worlds. We're, we are looking at the first coming, but we're also longing for that second coming. And so as we begin to live in between these two times, we have to long and we have to hope. We have to journey. We have to make this a time that we are marking time so that we don't just blast through this hoping for Christmas to end. <laughs> I think she would just said amen. But it was like... <laughs> I get it. <laughs> the, the, the song that you, the, the parents just can't wait for the kids to go to school again, that, that becomes our entire season. And I think it's because it starts on October 32nd. <laughs> no, let me phrase it. starts October 15th, really, with Hollow Thanks, Miss. August. Yeah. Hollow Thanks, Miss. <laughs> August. I, mean, I, I, I dress like Santa Claus for Halloween, and it, it's so amazing how many people aren't really fooled by that. They think it's normal because they were just at Walmart and they bought Christmas decorations the day before. So there's this, this thing that we miss when we push through and we overplan and we overstack and we overcommit and we overpromise and we over we have too much expectations that our house has to be perfect. I'm telling you right now, if you show up at our house next Saturday for our Christmas party, it's probably not going to be perfect. If you're looking for a, for a Better Homes and Gardens house, um, Megan and Ben are also having a party. <laughs> not really. But, it, but it's going to be fun, and we're going to have a good time because we're not going to set those expectations of perfection. We are going to stop, and we are going to let this be a time that we expect God to come, that we hope for the world to be different, that we hope for a Savior to be born, and we're going to let that be the thing that makes us that moves us forward till Christmas Day. So that way, when Christmas Day comes, we are actually set to observe the Christmas season. The Christmas season is the 12 days after Christmas. But if we spend so much time hustling through Advent and Christmasing in Advent, we forget that we have to reflect now these 12 days that Jesus is here and what that looks like and what that means. The only way to do that is to make sure that we are focused and that we're paying close attention. Even the good things can distract you. Even the good things. For some of you, the weather was a bad thing this morning when you woke up. I look at those that came from Reno and I think, well done. Well done. Because I almost didn't come. And I live right down the street. So, My hope for this Advent season is that even in the midst of just longing for that building, for the second half of the building, waiting for that to be done. I looked in there today, and this is, this is the, the greatest Advent illustration I could ever possibly give you. This morning I walked in, and I was looking, and I looked at the stage, and I went, oh my gosh, we're so close. And then I looked to the left. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, oh my gosh, we're so far away. That's Advent. Oh my gosh, we're so close. But we're so far away. We've already celebrated that Christ has come, that, that, that Christmas Day is this time of, of, of declaring the peace of God, 
the, 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 the wonderful counselor, this, 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 this Jesus that has been born, the Son of God been born, Emmanuel with us. But yet, there's something else coming. And I just don't know how far away it is. Because if I look around, it's been like the times of Noah for a long time. And I've seen people's predictions come and go. And I just want it. I just want it to be done. And I was able to declare, yeah, but after Saturday, this is going to be all cleaned up. Don't you wish you could just declare, yes, but on that day, on this certain day, well, here's what we get to do. As Christians journey through this time of Advent, we get to say, on December 25th, everything changes. We don't have to get bogged down in the fact that that Santa Claus is coming or not coming or can we have reindeer on our roof or how do reindeer even fly around the whole world? How do reindeer even fly? They're the antlers. We don't, we don't have to get bogged down on that. That's not the main thing that we are doing right now. We don't have to get bogged down with the idea that everything needs to be absolutely perfect and we can't disappoint anyone and everything has to, we don't have to do that because we get to declare that Emmanuel is here on that morning regardless of what your Christmas looked like. We say a lot around here that God's sovereignty is bigger than your circumstances. Well, during this Advent, during this Advent, let that be true. God's sovereignty will be bigger than your circumstances. Whether it's fear of letting someone down, whether it's fear of not being enough this holiday season or not not, not doing enough. Focus on this. That on the 25th we wake up and we declare Emmanuel. The incarnate God is walking amongst us. That's it. That's what we're doing. We don't get bogged down on, yeah, but what if Christmas, the birth of Jesus was probably in the spring. So all you Christians did was took the pagan holiday of Yule Fest and you, who cares? That's not what we're doing. We're, we're declaring God with us. And whether we do that in the wintertime or in Wendy's homeland, the summertime, it doesn't really matter whether you're decorating a pine tree or a palm tree. What matters is that we are, we are celebrating and declaring incarnation, that God chose to be here with us and walk amongst us. So whether you're skiing or surfing, it's still Christmas. It's still Emmanuel. It's still the main thing. Here's the, here's the question I want you to wrestle with during this because it's how my mind works and I wrestle with it all the time. Christmas or Easter? What's the more important day for us? It's very chicken and egg. Because Easter is salvation. But Savior had to be born. It's one of those things that we can struggle with. And, and there's, 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 we sang a song today that Ben also, he, he pushed it. That song said Calvary in it. And I remember a couple of years ago, if you had a cross or say Calvary during Advent, I'd lose my mind. Because right now it's about a cradle, not about a cross. But one day I woke up and I realized, Christmas or Easter? Yep. Absolutely. Because one can't exist without the other. Either way. And so as we journey through this Advent season, we're going to start off with this hope and expectation 
of keeping Jesus the main thing. Doesn't mean you can't send out your beautiful Santa-faced Coca-Cola Christmas cards. It doesn't mean you can't sing with Bing Crosby. It doesn't mean you can't send your kids off to their grandparents' house and you and your wife just sit alone and watch White Christmas. That's what we did, yes. <laughs> and every time Bing sang, I sang with him. And every time Denny K danced, I danced with him. I didn't, you're right. We can enjoy all these things, but do not let them become the thing. Do not let them bog you down. If you start to get stressed because there's too many holiday parties, don't go. If it becomes this thing where you are going to just can't wait for Christmas to stop, then stop. Pull back a little bit. Settle down. Undecorate if you have to. Burn a cinnamon candle. That'll take the spirit right out of Julie. (laughs) But focus on what is important. And keep Jesus in the cradle to make sure that we are moving that direction. That we are celebrating incarnation. That is the hope. That is what is moving us forward. Everything else is just stuff. Everything else is just stuff. The band's going to come back up and we're going to go into connecting time. Pastor Jess will explain what that is and the different stations that we use. And I'm just going to pray as they come up. Father God, I thank you for... I, I, I thank you for a time to get ready for greatness. I thank you for the season of Advent as we count down, as we anticipate and we expect. And, and there's something that is going to happen that, that, that is so powerful that it just, it, it fills even like adults with this anticipation of something coming. Lord, I thank you that you give us time to breathe and to wait for that. And Father, I thank you for the seasons that count down to big days. Lord, let us not skip right to Christmas. Let us be present in the waiting and the anticipating. In Jesus' name, amen. Before the band plays, um, as I was praying, I I remember one, one of the things that I really drives me crazy is when somebody says, oh, we did Christmas on the 16th of December because we couldn't all be together on the 25th. No, you did did presents on the 16th of December, right? Remember, we we are focusing on this idea that Christmas is not stuff. It's the main thing. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather today, Lord. We just ask for your spirit to move freely. Do what it is you need to do this morning. Teach us what you need to teach us. Let us not live here, leave here the same. In Jesus' name, amen. What a powerful last two songs. I mean, the first two songs, or the first song was a song that we all know and that you may even hear on 106.9 from now until the end of Christmas season. But those... What? Becky's saying the jingle. 106.9. <laughs> <laughs> More FM. Uh, but 
the, the last two, what, what, what a great declaration that we're declaring the king is coming, right? That's what we're doing right now. We're, we're lighting candles to declare the king is coming. And before I forget, we're going to do that. Kids, come here. Because I almost forgot. Today we light the love candle. And the love candle is about, what do you think? Yeah, good. You guys are sharp. Um, I want you guys to tell me one way in your life that people around you make you feel loved. They it shouldn't be that hard. Your parents are right behind you. They care for you. They care for you? Okay. Yeah. They let you live in their house. They do. And they charge you very low rent. They feed you. They feed you. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's pretty important. What do you think? Ben, every time I've seen you for the past three days, you've had a candy cane, bro. <laughs> You're going to start smelling like peppermint. What do you think? You got one? There's all kinds of things, right, that, that, that people do in your life. What about, like, even teachers? Sometimes, like, a teacher will do something, and it'll just make you feel different, they make you feel like They teach you. Yeah. Yes, they, they do that. That's for the paycheck, just saying. The extra stuff they do is because... <laughs> some of us choose to do things for free um, there, there's lots of things that go around right? and you, you, there's things that happen that you feel loved doing right how about this what do you guys do to make people around you feel loved oh, I wish you could see Caitlin's face right now she was so ready to answer the last one this one she went <laughs> in her mind I hear busted what do you think? What do you do to make people feel loved around you? Um, hug. Hug? Yeah. That's a big one for your mom, huh? You make them smile. Make them smile? Like by Happy. putting on a clown nose? <laughs> be kind. You be kind? Okay. Yeah. Being my parents' servants. Whoa. She just said she wants to be your servant. <laughs> that, that is, right? Those are all ways that we show love, right? So today we light the love candle because... We celebrate the biggest gift of love ever, right? And that's Jesus. So Jesus came to show us how to love and how to be loved. Did you know that he surrounded himself with people that were sometimes hard to love? And you know what they did? They loved him too. You have Advent glasses. Those are purple glasses. It's always been my favorite. They're pink. Oh, pink and purple. So they'll be good for next, next week too. Jesus, Jesus loved those around him. But he also let people love him. And that's hard to do sometimes, right? So today we're going to light the love candle in this idea that we are accepting the love of Jesus so that we can go out then and love other people. Okay? Go sit down. Who wants to light this? I'm not giving you fire. Today as we light the love candle, let this be a symbol to you that are loved to be an instrument of love to other people as we go forward in this Advent season. The, uh, just the sheer lighting of this candle is a countdown, right? There's four candles, there's four weeks of Advent. There's, this is one aspect of counting down to something that, that, that we look forward to. I think the invention of Advent calendars was because parents just got way too... Have you ever done this? If you are a parent and you had littler kids, and you said, we're going to Disneyland next month. That's the worst mistake you could possibly make, because every day they wake up and ask, is it next month? Is it next month? Is it next month? 
And there's this, this thing that we can't always comprehend, but there's something that countdowns do that give us a sense of it's coming. It is coming. It is coming. We have a, a little sign in our house that says to how many days till Christmas that we swap out every day. The other day, I was getting ready to swap it out, and my family does not trust that I can do math. So every morning they ask Alexa how many days until Christmas, and then when Alexa confirms what I have on the board, they, they don't say, oh, you were right, Dad, or anything. They just kind of scoff and walk off. But the other day, we asked Alexa, and, and she said 20 days or whatever, and Julie just about had it. She freaked out. And now, now my favorite thing about that sign is the anxiety it gives my wife. <laughs> so sometimes countdowns can be amazing. Other times, countdowns can induce this amount of pressure that we have to live up to. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there is a sense of a countdown when someone is pregnant, right? There are, there are milestones. And now, now, this is the greatest thing in the world for those that are, that are countdown people. When you are with child, you can go on a website and find out how big that child is based on fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can figure out if you got a grape or a kumquat or an avocado. It, it's all in there. And, and, and every month, there's these things that you can do. Every week, you find out what size fruit they are. And then every month, you're going to the doctor. And then they get closer and closer. So there's this countdown feeling that takes place. There's this, this, this date that they give you, which is made up. I'm quite convinced of that. And, and they just tell you, I think the date helps us sleep, right? You have this date. But what happens, those of you that have gone past that date, when... It's three days after. Four days after. See, she's still bitter. Five days after. All of a sudden, it's a week after your due date. And then it's a two weeks after your due date. And you are cussing that doctor. And you're like, remeasure, because this is not okay. And, and, and all of a sudden, when we miss a due date, everything goes into turmoil because you've been counting down to this day. I want to ask the kids a quick question right now. What's gonna ha what would happen if on Christmas Eve you went to bed knowing that the next day was Christmas? N knowing that you were going to wake up and it was all going to be there. And you were going to spend the whole day unwrapping and playing with stuff that you've never seen before. Fox Boys, you get Legos galore. You spend the whole day building stuff. What happens if you wake up and it's just another day? Now, it's not about the presents, I know that, but there's something exciting about those, right? <laughs> and, and just what would happen if your parents said, you know, this year we decided we're going to make Christmas on the 28th instead? <laughs> it didn't tell you. Yeah, the Beck is like, all that stuff I said about them loving me, I take it all back. <laughs> there's something about countdown and anticipation that it makes it doable because we know there's a date where it's going to end. Here's the problem. No one knows when this second advent is going to take place. And we're stuck in between. We're stuck in this world where Christ has come, but Christ has not fulfilled his coming yet. And so we know there's another returning of Jesus. But we also know that Jesus came into the world to redeem the world. But we know the full redemption has not come. But we don't know when that's going to take place. 
It's almost as if there's 400 years of silence that we're just waiting for it to be broken. And in the midst of that, how do we focus without a date? How do we do it? Well, you think back to when, when, when Jesus was born in that first century time of everything that was going on, the silence. And all of a sudden, John, John being, being conceived and, and the angel Gabriel showing up to Zechariah and saying, this is the child that you have been promised that I said I would bring you. And now you're going to name him John. And Zechariah says, whoa, John, that's not a family name. Why would I name him John? And angel Gabriel goes, fine. You want to talk back to me? You're not talking back to anyone for the next nine months. Best nine months of Elizabeth's life. <laughs> no complaining, nothing, you know. And, and, and she said, go get me some pickles and ice cream. And he just had to go up. I can't really talk back to her. So there, there's this, this, this message that came before the message that was coming. And we get to live in this time right now. We, we live in this extended John the Baptist era where we proclaim the king is coming. And there's some lines in that song that are just so great, so powerful, and just they, they cast this, this amazing picture of, of the city lights being burnt out. And I, I imagine, in my mind, I don't know if that's how the songwriter meant it, but like, because they're burning so, but you ever seen like a light will burn so bright it just pops? Right? The, the, the king is coming, and we're going to do everything to declare that. This is the message that John the Baptist bore. And so when Mary shows up at Elizabeth's house, and Elizabeth says she can feel John leap with joy inside of her belly, what a great picture. What a great picture of declaring that the Lord is coming. And then John, from, from I, I just, I picture the two cousins playing, and, and all this crazy stuff that it probably isn't true, but in my mind, I picture them hanging out and like running down to the creek and doing all these things, and then John has this great call that he has to fulfill. And scripture says that he is basically Elijah coming to pave the way. And all of a sudden, John gets his clothing call. And it's camel hair and leather. And then they say, and by the way, what I need you to do is move out to the wilderness, the desert area, and just eat locusts and honey. And in case you're wondering, six-legged insects are kosher, so he was cool there. And do you ever wonder, like, did he dip it like chips? <laughs> or was it like he ate it and then took a bite of honey because he just couldn't get that taste out of his mouth? And, and I picture, this is why I love David Crowder, because he gives me a vision of what John the Baptist looked like. <laughs> I was at a David Crowder concert one time, and he literally had a towel on stage that he would use to wipe his beard. It was that sweaty at the end of a show. He would just like, and it's like streaming out. Uh, but like, but that, that, this is how I picture John the Baptist just looking. Uh, I think this may be where the term hot mess comes from. But just looking disheveled and just out there and sun-beaten, leather-cracked skin, hair everywhere, big old bushy beard. Like, and he's walking around, literally the first one to say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is nigh. I wonder if he had a sandwich board. They would have said but it's it, just walking around with this message of, of repentance and making this way, paving this way. Now, here's, here's John the Baptist's advent. Do, do you think there were moments where he's like, when is he coming over the hill? 
John, every day is baptizing people in the Jordan. Every day baptizing people. People coming from all over the world probably to see the weird guy out in the wilderness. But converting to this message of repentance. Submitting to this message of repentance. And every day he wakes up and goes, is today the day Jesus will come over the hill? Is today the day that the Lamb of God will crest that mountain and come into my valley to be baptized? When is this going to happen? I am so tired of eating insects and honey. I need this to be done. When is it going to take place? And then the day comes where he is baptizing in the Jordan and he is preaching this this prophetic message of Elijah that the kingdom is coming. And he looks up out of the river, up on top of the crest, and he sees his cousin Jesus. The one that he recognizes every time he sees him, even in utero, he recognizes him. He recognizes him right away, and he stops. And I can just imagine the line of people, I mean, bear with me here, I'm taking some some creative license here with scripture. But I can imagine the line of people that are waiting to be baptized. And John just stops. And he's looking up, and he sees as Jesus comes down. And then I wonder this. Did Jesus wait in line? Like, I, like, did he come over the mountain and just wait his turn? Or was it such a huge thing for John that he had fast pass? He got to go right past the line and just get baptized. Because here's why I like that version. I hate cutters. Don't you cut me in line. You better stay in your own spot. And don't be saving spots either. Pushing through and saying my family's up there. Well, you're back here. You're riding solo today. But there's this amazing picture that comes from Jesus bypassing the line and just walking in and John going, I don't, I, I, I'm not fit to tie your shoes, untie your sandals. What, what am I supposed to do with you? And Jesus says, do this. And then all of a sudden the baptism takes place. And this, it says the heavens split open. Schizoid, the same word, the, 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 the word we get, schizophrenic, like two different things. It's, they split open. And this voice, people think it's a booming voice, but God is clearly a tenor. And it speaks into the world. This is my son, whom I am well pleased. And everyone in line hears it. Now, can you, be, can you imagine being the person baptized after Jesus? Like, think that the line didn't just go away. People were still being baptized. And this person goes, I'm next. Walks out in the water. And can you just for a second think about what that meant for him? He just, he just heard that this is my son, God speaking to the crowds, and all of a sudden he is baptized knowing, but on knowing. I mean, you need faith to be baptized, but this guy was easy. He had just heard the voice of God. Of course you're going to be baptized. And so he goes down, and he comes up, and he's changed. And next, and next, and the baptisms keep going on, because John keeps saying this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And now, all of a sudden, all of this waiting, all of the waiting from, from Malachi to now, all of the waiting of John walking around the desert, all of it has been fulfilled. It is taking place. It is now something that is brand new happening. God has spoken into the world again, and everybody heard it. Everything is different. And now, 
John sits back and says, this is it. Let's read about this. I'll read it on the screen. It's in uh, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew 3.1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken of, this is he who is spoken of through prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the path for him. John's clothes are made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist, because the camel is kind of A-frame, and he really needed to give it some kind of text, like it had to conform a little bit. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. And they were confessing their sins. They were baptizing by, the, by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And so do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God, has, God can raise up the children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chafe with the unquenchable fire. Here's why this last part is important. This is before Jesus shows up. This is in John's advent. The Pharisees and Sadducees are coming around. They're asking questions, and he is bold enough to say this to them. You brood of vipers. You have no fruit of repentance. You keep coming back here. There's nothing changed in your life. How dare you? Can you imagine this wild man having the faith that his cousin was coming, the Messiah of the world, enough to look at the religious leaders and going, I don't even need to fear you. There is something coming over those horizons that I am not even, I can't even, I shouldn't even be talking about. Not, it's, that, it's that big. It's that big. It's, so, it's going to change everything. Well, here's the difference of where we live right now. The in-between of Advent. This was declared before Jesus came, before Emmanuel, before the Incarnation. Now, today, we get to proclaim the second coming with the same boldness, but with this message of grace that comes along with it. This message of repent for God's return is coming. Re repent for, for this is happening. But it's, it, it's not just then, it's then, and we get caught here. In uh, one of the, I, I get real crazy around uh, Advent time with the devotions that I read, and I'm reading like five different plans right now, um, and I don't even remember which one this is. I think this one came from the version one that I'm going through right now, um, and the context was shaky, but the, the, uh, the, the truth of the line was just incredible. And it hit me in a way that just made me rethink the way that I do Advent. 
they, they were talking about the way that Elizabeth was, was preparing um, for this, and, and, and Elizabeth went away into preparation longer than most women do, and they speculate on why that is, and I think it was not true, but uh, it was speculation. It's fun for them to do that. But the bottom line is she did go into preparation longer than, than most women would. And uh, the line was, Lord, prepare me for what you've prepared for me. Lord, prepare me for what you've prepared for me. I've never read a line that summarizes Advent better than that. Lord, prepare me for what you've prepared for me. Christmas looks so different to everyone. I actually heard a guy on a TV show last night, a documentary, declare he hates Christmas. We were at youth group and we were playing these Christmas games and one of the students is like, I don't know anything about this. I hate Christmas. I don't relate to that. I, lo- I might be part elf. I love it. But Christmas is so different to all of us. And so during Advent, for the incarnation, for Emmanuel, for God amongst us, for this preparation that John the Baptist has laid out, for all of these things that are going on, from, from Elizabeth and Zechariah to Mary and Joseph, for this countdown that's coming, for this Christmas morning, for this time that we stop and we celebrate the incarnation, maybe what we need to do is stop and pray, Lord, prepare me for what you prepared for me. In the sense that whatever Christmas looks like to you, it's not about that. Whatever, whatever memories you're carrying that make Christmas hard for you, it's not about that. There are people that are here and people that are affiliated with our church. This is going to be a tough Christmas, remembering loved ones that aren't going to be here this year. There are people that are here and that people that are affiliated with our church that are going to remember that this could have been their baby's first Christmas when they lost that baby. And there's going to be pain in that. And there's going to be sorrow in that. And there's going to be mourning in that. And there's going to be times that they're going to sit back and they're going, to, they're going to look at the tree and think about what it would look like with that baby's first Christmas ornament on there. And it's not there. And that's going to be heart-wrenching. There's going to be people that are going to be decorating the tree this year and they're going to hang an ornament that their loved one always hung. And they're not here to do that this year. And so there's going to be these things. But here, I want to just speak to you I want to speak to your heart right now so you know this. It's not about that. Embrace your pain. Embrace your sorrow. Let that be real. But know that what we are celebrating is the incarnation of God. Is the Emmanuel, God amongst us in the midst of our journey. What got John the Baptist through that advent in the wilderness was that he knew that Christ was coming. He knew that someday over that mountain was going to be Jesus and he knew this new kingdom was going to be ushered in. We have to live our lives in the midst of this advent knowing that this new kingdom has been ushered in and this new kingdom will be fulfilled as we help usher it in. As we be God amongst us. As we take on the flesh of God. And be the difference in the world that we live in. And I'm telling you right now, it is not easy to do. 
Monday when I walked into the building, there was, um, we'll call it a smell. That was overwhelming. And, and if you don't know, we, for these two weeks, we're hosting the homeless shelter, the Niagara Street Shelter. And I walked into our vestibule, and that's a fancy word, um, and it just, it was just this, this sweat and stale smoke and alcohol, and it just, it just, it was, it, it was overwhelming. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, what have we signed up for? How are we going to do regular stuff in this building with this? And then I remember that incarnation is incarnation. God with us is God with us. And how God has chosen to operate through the world since the beginning of time is through his people. And so this morning there was a, a gentleman in the parking lot who was gathering his belongings um, which were just rocks that were a lot and around the parking lot. And I, I said, hey, what's going on? He said, oh, the kids, they dumped my stuff out, and I got to get it, okay? Um, and he said, what's your name? And I said, I'm JJ. And what's, what's your name? He said, I'm Blake. And I shook his hand, and he didn't know what to do because I shook his hand. And we're reminded during this time that in the midst of silence, God went to those who had no dignity, the shepherds, and declared, the Savior is born. When we walk by the Salvation Army kettle, most of us don't carry change anymore, and I think it's just a matter of time before they get a square. <laughs> but you know what? You don't have to carry change to just take the time to look back at them and wish them a Merry Christmas as well. You don't have to give them anything as they ring that bell. And, and, and I, I'm not innocent of this. I, I choose the least passive resistance, the door that's not occupied. It's easier sometimes. But John the Baptist looked like that. He looked like one of those people. He looked like the one that we would walk on the other side of the street when we cross. Maybe, maybe, maybe this time of year it puts more of this emphasis. And we talk about John the Baptist paving the road and this countdown towards something big where God is coming in. But we need to also remember that God has already come and his kingdom is here. And it is our job to make sure that kingdom is real and alive. And so when you're at McDonald's and you might buy an extra cup of coffee. But you might not. And I would at least challenge this. This is going to be harder than buying a cup of coffee because that's easy. Shane Claiborne wrote in one of his books that it's not that we don't want to help the poor. We just don't know any of them. So it's almost easier to write a check sometimes than it is to meet one of those people. And I met a lot of them. I come down every morning at 630 to lock up the building. And some of them are great. And they have great stories. And they just want to talk to you. And here's, here, here's what I've noticed. I had a friend of mine who ministered in San Francisco for a long time. And we had a meeting over there, and one of the things we did for the meeting was walk the Tenderloin and just passed out meals. And he recognized them, and they recognized him. And we were talking to this man, and he said, you know what I love about you, Keegan? You always looked at me. Can you imagine being invisible? 
That's how those people that make us uncomfortable, they feel invisible because we don't look at them, because we feel guilty that they're going to ask for something. You know how I just want to challenge you, eye contact goes so far to someone that feels invisible. And as the kingdom of heaven has been ushered, we are that kingdom. We are the eye contact that they need. We are the handshake that they need. We are the cup of coffee that they need. Yes, it's so easy to be like, well, they're just going to buy drugs and alcohol. I have met at least 30 men every morning. Four of them are probably going to buy alcohol, (laughs) gauging on the way they stumble in and the way they smell when they leave. There are so many. Four of them have jobs. And they drop, one of them drops his wife here every night and goes out and drives a cab all night long and then comes back and picks her up. And they're just waiting until they're in that place where they can get a place. The dignity that we can give back by just acknowledging. What happens? The kingdom of heaven is coming. Let us be that kingdom. Let us show up in a way. John's message is not for something far off. John's message now is us, right now, today, becoming the kingdom of heaven. To make that time of waiting until we then celebrate and we reignite. On Christmas Day, we get to be reminded, not told. We're reminded of the incarnation. Let us live as a people that know that Jesus came, calls us the kingdom of heaven, and has issued us marching orders. The band's going to come back up and we're going to move into connecting time. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather today, Lord. We just ask for your spirit to move freely. Do what it is you need to do this morning. Teach us what you need to teach us. Let us not live here, leave here the same. In Jesus' name, amen. What a powerful last two songs. I mean, the first two songs, or the first song was a song that we all know and that you may even hear on 106.9 from now until the end of Christmas season. But those, what? Becky sang the jingle. 106.9. More FM. Uh, but the, the last two, what, what, what a great declaration that we're declaring the king is coming. Right? That's what we're doing right now. We're lighting candles to declare the king is coming. And before I forget, we're going to do that. Kids, come here. Because I almost forgot. Today we light the love candle. And the love candle is about, what do you think? Love. Good. You guys are sharp. Um, I want you guys to tell me one way in your life that people around you make you feel loved. It shouldn't be that hard. Your parents are right behind you. They care for you. They care for you? Okay. Yeah. They let you live in their house. They do. (laughs) And they charge you very low rent. They feed you. They feed you. Yes. Yeah, that's that's pretty important. What do you think? Ben, every time I've seen you for the past three days, you've had a candy cane, bro. (laughs) You're going to start smelling like peppermint. What do you think? 
You got one? There's all kinds of things, right, that, that, that people do in your life. What about, like, even teachers? Sometimes, like, a teacher will do something, and it'll just make you feel different, they make you feel like They teach you. Yeah. Yes, they, they do that. That's for the paycheck, I'm just saying. The extra stuff they do is because... <laughs> Some of us choose to do things for free. Um, there, there's lots of things that go around, right, and you... You, there's things that happen that you feel loved doing, right? How about this? What do you guys do to make people around you feel loved? Oh, I wish you could see Caitlin's face right now. She was so ready to answer the last one. This one, she went. <laughs> In her mind, I hear, busted. What do you think? What do you do to make people feel loved around you? Um, hug. Hug? Yeah. That's a big one for your mom, huh? You make them smile. Make them smile? Like by Happy. putting on a clown nose? Be kind. You be kind? Okay, yeah. Being my parents' servants. Whoa, she just said she wants to be your servant. That, that is, right? Those are all ways that we show love, right? So today we light the love candle because we celebrate the biggest gift of love ever, right? And that's Jesus. So Jesus came to show us how to love and how to be loved. Did you know that he surrounded himself with people that were sometimes hard to love? And you know what they did? They loved him, too. You have Advent glasses. Those are purple glasses. It's always been my favorite. They're pink. Oh, pink and purple. So they'll be good for next, next week, too. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus loved those around him, but he also let people love him. And that's hard to do sometimes, right? So today we're going to light the love candle in this idea that we are accepting the love of Jesus so that we can go out then and love other people. Okay? Go sit down. Who wants to light this? I'm not giving you fire. <laughs> Today as we light the love candle, let this be a symbol to you that are loved to be an instrument of love to other people as we go forward in this Advent season. The, uh, just the sheer lighting of this candle is a countdown. Right? There's four candles. There's four weeks of Advent. There's, this is one aspect of counting down to something that, that, that we look forward to. I think the invention of Advent calendars was because parents just got way too... Have you ever done this? If you are a parent and you had littler kids and you said, we're going to Disneyland next month. That's the worst mistake you could possibly make because every day they wake up and ask, is it next month? Is it next month? Is it next month? And there's this, this thing that we can't always comprehend, but there's something that countdowns do that give us a sense of it's coming. It is coming. It is coming. We have a, a little sign in our house that says, how many days till Christmas that we swap out every day? The other day, I was getting ready to swap it out, and my family does not trust that I can do math. So every morning they ask Alexa how many days until Christmas, and then when Alexa confirms what I have on the board, they, they don't say, oh, you were right, Dad, or anything. They just kind of scoff and walk off. <laughs> but the other day, we asked Alexa, and, and she said 20 days or whatever. And Julie just about had it. She freaked out. And now, now my favorite thing about that sign is the anxiety it gives my wife. <laughs> so sometimes countdowns can be amazing. Other times, countdowns can induce this amount of pressure that we have to live up to. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there is a sense of a countdown when someone is pregnant, right? There are, there are milestones 
And now, now th- this is the greatest thing in the world for those that are, that are countdown people. When you are with child, you can go on a website and find out how big that child is based on fruit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can figure out if you got a grape or a kumquat or an avocado. It, it's all in there. And, 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 and every month, there's these things that you can do. Every week, you find out what size fruit they are. And then every month, you're going to the doctor. And then they get closer and closer. So there's this countdown feeling that takes place. There's this, this, this date that they give you, which is made up. I'm quite convinced of that. And, and they just tell you, I think the date helps us sleep, right? You have this date. But what happens, those of you that have gone past that date, when... It's three days after. Four days after. See, she's still bitter. Five days after. All of a sudden, it's a week after your due date. And then it's a two weeks after your due date. And you are cussing that doctor. And you're like, remeasure, because this is not okay. And, and, and all of a sudden, when we miss a due date, everything goes into turmoil because you've been counting down to this day. I want to ask the kids a quick question right now. What's going to ha- what would happen if on Christmas Eve you went to bed knowing that the next day was Christmas? N- knowing that you were going to wake up and it was all going to be there. And you were going to spend the whole day unwrapping and playing with stuff that you've never seen before. Fox Boys, you get Legos galore. You spend the whole day building stuff. What happens if you wake up and it's just another day? Now, it's not about the presents, I know that, but there's something exciting about those, right? <laughs> and, and, and just what would happen if your parents said, you know, this year we decided we're going to make Christmas on the 28th instead? <laughs> it didn't tell you. It, yeah, the Beck is like, all that stuff I said about them loving me, I take it all back. <laughs> there's something about countdown and anticipation that it makes it doable because we know there's a date where it's going to end. Here's the problem. No one knows when this second advent is going to take place. And we're stuck in between. We're stuck in this world where Christ has come, but Christ has not fulfilled his coming yet. And so we know there's another returning of Jesus. But we also know that Jesus came into the world to redeem the world. But we know the full redemption has not come. But we don't know when that's going to take place. It's almost as if there's 400 years of silence that we're just waiting for it to be broken. And in the midst of that, how do we focus without a date? How do we do it? Well, you think back to when, when, when Jesus was born in that first century time of everything that was going on, the silence, and all of a sudden, John, John being, being conceived, and, and the angel Gabriel showing up to Zechariah and saying, this is the child that you have been promised, that I said I would bring you, and now you're going to name him John. And Zechariah says, whoa, John, that's not a family name. Why would I name him John? And angel Gabriel goes, fine. You want to talk back to me? You're not talking back to anyone for the next nine months. Best nine months of Elizabeth's life. <laughs> no complaining, nothing, you know. And, and, and she said, go get me some pickles and ice cream. And he just had to go, oh, I can't really talk back to her. So there, there's this, this, this message that came before the message that was coming. And we get to live in this time right now. We, we live in this extended John the Baptist era. 
where we proclaim the king is coming. And there's some lines in that song that are just so great, so powerful, and just they, they cast this, this amazing picture of, of the city lights being burnt out. And I, I imagine, in my mind, I don't know if that's how the songwriter meant it, but like, because they're burning so but you ever seen like a light will burn so bright it just pops? Right? The, the, the king is coming, and we're going to do everything to declare that. This is the message that John the Baptist bore. And so when Mary shows up at Elizabeth's house, and Elizabeth says she can feel John leap with joy inside of her belly. What a great picture. What a great picture of declaring that the Lord is coming. And then John from, from I, I just, I picture the two cousins playing and, and, and all this crazy stuff that it, it probably isn't true. But in, in my mind, I picture them hanging out and like running down to the creek and doing all these things. And then John has this great call that he has to fulfill. And scripture says that he is basically Elijah coming to pave the way. And all of a sudden, John gets his clothing call. And it's camel hair and leather. And then they say, and by the way, what I need you to do is move out to the wilderness, the desert area, and just eat locusts and honey. And in case you're wondering, six-legged insects are kosher, so he was cool there. And do you ever wonder, like, did he dip it like chips? <laughs> or was it like he ate it and then took a bite of honey because he just couldn't get that taste out of his mouth? And, and I picture, this is why I love David Crowder, because he gives me a vision of what John the Baptist looked like. <laughs> I was at a David Crowder concert one time, and he literally had a towel on stage that he would use to wipe his beard. It was that sweaty at the end of a show. He would just like, and it's like streaming out. Uh, but like, but that, that, this is how I picture John the Baptist just looking. Uh, I think this may be where the term hot mess comes from. But just looking disheveled and just out there and sun-beaten, leather-cracked skin, hair everywhere, big old bushy beard. Like, and he's walking around literally the first one to say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is nigh. I wonder if he had a sandwich board. They would have said but she's walking around with this message of, of repentance and making this way, paving this way. Now, here's, here's John the Baptist's advent. Do, do you think there were moments where he's like, when is he coming over the hill? John, every day is baptizing people in the Jordan. Every day baptizing people. People coming from all over the world, probably to see the weird guy out in the wilderness. But converting to this message of repentance, submitting to this message of repentance. And every day he wakes up and goes, is today the day Jesus will come over the hill? Is today the day that the Lamb of God will crest that mountain and come into my valley to be baptized? When is this going to happen? I am so tired of eating insects and honey. I need this to be done. When is it going to take place? And then the day comes where he is baptizing in the Jordan. And he is preaching this, this prophetic message of Elijah that the kingdom is coming. And he looks up out of the river, up on top of the crest, and he sees his cousin Jesus. The one that he recognizes every time he sees him, even in utero, he recognizes him. He recognizes him right away, and he stops. And I can just imagine the line of people, I mean, bear with me here, I'm taking some, some creative license here with scripture. But I can imagine the line of people that are waiting to be baptized. And John just stops. And he's looking up, and he sees as Jesus comes down. 
And then I wonder this. Did Jesus wait in line? Like, I, like did he come over the mountain and just wait his turn? Or was it such a huge thing for John that he had fast pass? He got to go right past the line and just get baptized. Because here's why I like that version. I hate cutters. Don't you cut me in line. You better stay in your own spot. And don't be saving spots either. Pushing through and saying my family's up there. Well, you're back here. You're riding solo today. But there's this amazing picture that comes from Jesus bypassing the line and just walking in and John going, I don't, I, I, I'm not fit to tie your shoes, untie your sandals. What, what am I supposed to do with you? And Jesus says, do this. And then all of a sudden the baptism takes place and the, it says the heavens split open. Schizoid, the same word, the, 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 the word we get schizophrenic, like two different things. It's, they split open. And this voice, people think it's a booming voice, but God is clearly a tenor. And it speaks into the world. This is my son, whom I am well pleased. And everyone in line hears it. Now, can you, be, can you imagine being the person baptized after Jesus? Like, think that the line didn't just go away. People were still being baptized. And this person goes, I'm next. Walks out in the water. And can you just for a second think about what that meant for him? He just, he just heard that this is my son, God speaking to the crowds, and all of a sudden he is baptized knowing but unknowing. I mean, you need faith to be baptized, but this guy was easy. He had just heard the voice of God. Of course you're going to be baptized. And so he goes down and he comes up and he's changed. And next, and next. And the baptisms keep going on because John keeps saying this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And now, all of a sudden, all of this waiting, all of the waiting from, from Malachi to now, all of the waiting of John walking around the desert, all of it has been fulfilled. It is taking place. It is now something that is brand new happening. God has spoken into the world again and everybody heard it. Everything is different. And now, John sits back and says, this is it. Let's read about this. I'll read it on the screen. It's in uh, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew 3.1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken of this is he who has spoken of through prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the path for him. John's clothes are made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist, because the camel is kind of A-frame, and he really needed to give it some kind of text, like it had to conform a little bit. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. And they were confessing their sins. They were baptizing by, the, by him in the Jordan River. 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And so do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God, has, God can raise up the children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chafe with the unquenchable fire. Here's why this last part is important. This is before Jesus shows up. This is in John's advent. The Pharisees and Sadducees are coming around. They're asking questions, and he is bold enough to say this to them. You brood of vipers. You have no fruit of repentance. You keep coming back here. There's nothing changed in your life. How dare you? Can you imagine this wild man having the faith that his cousin was coming, the Messiah of the world, enough to look at the religious leaders and going, I don't even need to fear you. There is something coming over those horizons that I am not even, I can't even, I shouldn't even be talking about. It's that that big. It's that big. It's It's going to change everything. Well, here's the difference of where we live right now the in-between of Advent. This was declared before Jesus came, before Emmanuel, before the Incarnation. Now, today, we get to proclaim the second coming with the same boldness, but with this message of grace that comes along with it. This message of repent for God's return is coming. Repent for, for this is happening. But it's, it, it's not just... Then, it's then, and we get caught here. In uh, one of the, I, I get real crazy around uh, Advent time with the devotions that I read, and I'm reading like five different plans right now, um, and I don't even remember which one this is. I think this one came from the version one that I'm going through right now, um, and the context was shaky, but the, the, uh, the, the truth of the line was just incredible. And it hit me in a way that just made me rethink the way that I do Advent. They, they were talking about the way that Elizabeth was, was preparing um, for this. And, and, and Elizabeth went away into preparation longer than most women do. And they speculated on why that is. And I think it was not true. But uh, it was speculation. It's fun for them to do that. But the bottom line is she did go into preparation longer than, than most women would. And uh, the line was... Lord, prepare me for what you've prepared for me. Lord, prepare me for what you've prepared for me. I've never read a line that summarizes Advent better than that. Lord, prepare me for what you've prepared for me. Christmas looks so different to everyone. I actually heard a guy on a TV show last night, a documentary, declare he hates Christmas. We were at youth group and we were playing these Christmas games and one of the students is like, I don't know anything about this. I hate Christmas. I don't relate to that. 
I, lo- I might be part elf. <laughs> I love it. But Christmas is so different to all of us. And so during Advent, for the incarnation, for Emmanuel, for God amongst us, for this preparation that John the Baptist has laid out, for all of these things that are going on, from, from Elizabeth and Zechariah to Mary and Joseph, for this countdown that's coming, for this Christmas morning, for this time that we stop and we celebrate the incarnation, maybe what we need to do is stop and pray, Lord, prepare me for what you prepared for me. In the sense that whatever Christmas looks like to you, it's not about that. Whatever, whatever memories you're carrying that make Christmas hard for you, it's not about that. There are people that are here and people that are affiliated with our church. This is going to be a tough Christmas, remembering loved ones that aren't going to be here this year. There are people that are here and that people that are affiliated with our church that are, that are going to remember that this could have been their baby's first Christmas when they lost that baby. And there's going to be pain in that. And there's going to be sorrow in that. And there's going to be mourning in that. And there's going to be times that they're going to sit back and they're going to, they're, they're going to look at the tree and think about what it would look like with that baby's first Christmas ornament on there. And, and it's not there. And, and that's going to be heart-wrenching. There's going to be people that are going to be decorating the tree this year and they're going to hang an ornament that their loved one always hung. And they're not here to do that this year. And, and so there's going to be these things. But here, I wanted to speak to you. I want to speak to your heart right now so you know this. It's not about that. Embrace your pain. Embrace your sorrow. Let that be real. But know that what we are celebrating is the incarnation of God. Is the Emmanuel, God amongst us in the midst of our journey. What got John the Baptist through that advent in the wilderness was that he knew that Christ was coming. He knew that someday over that mountain was going to be Jesus, and he knew this new kingdom was going to be ushered in. We have to live our lives in the midst of this advent knowing that this new kingdom has been ushered in, and this new kingdom will be fulfilled as we help usher it in, as we be God amongst us as we take on the flesh of God and be the difference in the world that we live in. And I'm telling you right now, it is not easy to do. Monday when I walked into the building, there was, um, we'll call it a smell. That was overwhelming. And, and if you don't know, we, for these two weeks, we're hosting the homeless shelter, the not the street shelter. And I walked into our vestibule, and that's a fancy word, um, and it just, it was just this, this sweat and stale smoke and alcohol, and it just, it just, it was, it, it was overwhelming. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, what have we signed up for? How are we going to do regular stuff in this building with this? And then I remember that incarnation is incarnation. God with us is God with us. And how God has chosen to operate through the world since the beginning of time is through his people. 
And so this morning there was a, a gentleman in the parking lot who was gathering his belongings, um, which were just rocks that were a lot and around the parking lot. And I, I said, hey, what's going on? He said, oh, the kids, they dumped my stuff out and I got to get it. Okay. Um, and he said, what's your name? And I said, I'm JJ. What's your name? He said, I'm Blake. And I shook his hand. And he didn't know what to do because I shook his hand. And we're reminded during this time that in the midst of silence, God went to those who had no dignity, the shepherds, and declared, the Savior is born. When we walk by the Salvation Army kettle, most of us don't carry change anymore, and I think it's just a matter of time before they get a square. <laughs> but you know what? You don't have to carry change to just take the time to look back at them and wish them a Merry Christmas as well. You don't have to give them anything as they ring that bell. And, and, and I, I'm not innocent of this. I, I choose the least passive resistance, the door that's not occupied. It's easier sometimes. But John the Baptist looked like that. He looked like one of those people. He looked like the one that we would walk on the other side of the street when we cross. Maybe, maybe, maybe this time of year it puts more of this emphasis. And we talk about John the Baptist paving the road and this countdown towards something big where God is coming in. But we need to also remember that God has already come and his kingdom is here. And it is our job to make sure that kingdom is real and alive. And so when you're at McDonald's and you might buy an extra cup of coffee. But you might not. And I would at least challenge this. This is going to be harder than buying a cup of coffee because that's easy. Shane Claiborne wrote in one of his books that it's not that we don't want to help the poor, we just don't know any of them. So it's almost easier to write a check sometimes than it is to meet one of those people. And I've met a lot of them. I come down every morning at 6.30 to lock up the building, and some of them are great, and they have great stories, and they just want to talk to you. And here's, here, here's what I've noticed. I had a friend of mine who ministered in San Francisco for a long time. And we had a meeting over there, and one of the things we did for the meeting was walk the Tenderloin and just passed out meals. And he recognized them, and they recognized him. And we were talking to this man, and he said, you know what I love about you, Keegan? You always looked at me. Can you imagine being invisible? That's how those people that make us uncomfortable, they feel invisible because we don't look at them, because we feel guilty that they're going to ask for something. You know how much, I just want to challenge you, eye contact goes so far to someone that feels invisible. And as the kingdom of heaven has been ushered, we are that kingdom. We are the eye contact that they need. We are the handshake that they need. We are the cup of coffee that they need. Yes, it's so easy to be like, well, they're just going to buy drugs and alcohol. I have met at least 30 men every morning. Four of them are probably going to buy alcohol, gauging on the way they stumble in and the way they smell when they leave. There are so many. Four of them have jobs. And they drop, one of them drops his wife here every night and goes out and drives a cab all night long and then comes back and picks her up. And they're just waiting until they're in that place where they can get a place. The dignity that we can give back 
by just acknowledging. What happens? The kingdom of heaven is coming. Let us be that kingdom. Let us show up in a way. John's message is not for something far off. John's message now is us, right now, today, becoming the kingdom of heaven. To make that time of waiting until we then celebrate and we reignite. We're, on Christmas Day, we get to be reminded, not told. We're reminded of the incarnation. Let us live as a people that know that Jesus came, calls us the kingdom of heaven, and has issued us marching orders. The band's going to come back up, and we're going to move into connecting time.